I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Don't talk about it. Hi, I'm Raina. And I'm Megan. Welcome to the Shh Don't Talk About It podcast, where we talk about all the things we need to say out loud, but think that we can't. We're going to talk about all the things. We're going to shed light on them. We're going to embrace them. And we're going to fucking love them. So join us on this journey as we get rid of shame and start talking about it. Welcome back to another episode of the Shh Don't Talk About It podcast. Good to see you. Good to see you, Megan. Good to be back with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Today we have a really fun, kind of interesting, kind of different episode. It is almost like one in a series, I think, because uh, unintentional series, Yeah. but yeah. we had the chance to talk with stand up comedian and donor conceived person slash advocate, Laura High, mm-hmm. who is, she refers to herself as a sperm donor baby, but she's a donor conceived <laughs> person mm-hmm. who does a lot of advocacy around the ethics and of donor conception and the needs of donor conceived people. And it, I think fits in this arc of episodes that we've done where last season we had Alexis come on. She talked about her DNA surprise of finding out her father that raised her isn't her father. My sister and sister-in-law came on and talked about their journey to having a baby when they used a sperm donor in order to have her. And then today we have Laura, who is a donor conceived person and had a DNA surprise, which she talks to us about. And so it all links together in this arc, I think. Yeah. It's like a circle (laughs) or just like from the beginning until like now Laura is speaking from a point of view. Obviously she has her own story and we'll hear about it, but point of view of what particularly your niece might have later on in life about being a donor conceived child. So it's very interesting to be able to 
see the outcome and the impact of when you choose a donor and what potentially that child when they grow up and they're a real human being, you know, what, what can come out of that. And she definitely has a lot to say about all of it. And she's so knowledgeable about everything. I was blown away. I learned so much in this episode about the donor conceived industry (laughs) or the donor industry. Yeah. It's really the corporatization of it is really pretty shocking. And I think I really appreciated how fierce Laura is as an advocate and how fiercely she's like pushing back against the industry while simultaneously holding like a tremendous amount of compassion for parents and then a huge amount of compassion and empathy for other donor conceived people. I just felt like that mix of like characteristics and personality traits and that like fierceness for change while also holding compassion and empathy for people twisted up in the industry. I thought that was really, a re- it was just a nice mix to get to see. And I learned a shitload. Yeah. 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 She's very knowledgeable and she has an incredible story. She's such a brave person for coming on and sharing and advocating for every, the whole, everybody in that's in the industry, not the assholes. Not the, yeah, but (laughs) not the, no assholes allowed. Yeah. She's also very funny, very charming. This was a fun one. And we hope that you all enjoy listening to her as much as we enjoyed talking to her. So here's Laura. Here she is. Hi, Laura. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with y'all. We were actually, I was just sharing a little bit of this with you right before we started recording, but I'm personally really excited to have you here today to talk about your story as a donor conceived person and to talk broadly about like the ethics of donor conception. Listeners may remember last season, my sister and her wife came on to talk about their journey with IVF and used a donor to create my beautiful little niece who's about to turn one. And we got into some of the ethical questions around it with them, but it's really different. And I think special to have a person who is living an experience that my niece will live, that millions of people have lived. And one thing I have learned from you and your advocacy is that the world of donor conception is kind of lawless. You would think that Mm. it would have a lot more regulation. Like you, I always thought it did. And Uh, you really opened my eyes. So So did I. I, It was quite a little surprise when I found out a few years ago that I was like, oh, this is the Wild West. There's no security in this. This is terrifying. I don't like this. I'm going to just start looking and researching. And oh, there's the bottom of the barrel. No, it's not. There's six more feet of shit underneath that. It's become a running joke on my TikTok that it's like, I keep thinking I hit the bottom of the barrel. Nope. Still more. There's still things that shock me and surprise me. Yeah, no, donor conception is, we all think it is due to like social media and just because also the infertility industry has this nominal narrative that they have put together. And remember, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. So they can, 
do whatever kind of perception. They can afford whatever perception they want. And they've gotten away with it for so many years. And we are actively just trying to get them regulated because it is, it's not just unsafe for donor conceived people. It's not safe for recipient parents and it's not safe for donors. Why don't we start by having you just tell our listeners a little bit about you, who you are. We can get into your story, but we'd love people to just know who you are and what you do and why this topic is something that you're so passionate about. Absolutely. So what is up, everybody? My name is Laura. Hi, I'm actually a stand-up comedian by trade, and I am a sperm donor baby, donor-conceived adult, however you would like to label me. I was conceived in 1987. I was born in 1988 in New York City. And it, I was told when I was 14 years old and later on in my life, I figured out and found how absolutely absurdly unregulated this was. And it just hyper-focused and I started doing massive amounts of advocating. I, it's the set that I'm most known for in my standup is my sperm donor set. And I, so I talk about this on TikTok and on Instagram, soon to be on YouTube. I am premiering a podcast actually next week called Insemination. It's all things donor conception. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's who I am. And I never say no to a chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> is there is there a way we can link to your set, your stand-up set, like in our show notes oh, if people yeah. want to go see that? Is it on YouTube? Yeah, it's on YouTube. All right. Well, I will so- say it's an earlier, it's an earlier draft of the set. I'm not premiering the updated one that I'm waiting for something else to happen first. So you can see an earlier version of the draft. I know you gave us just like a roundabout, you know, this happened and this happened. Can you take us back to when you found out at 14 years old? How was that for you? Oh, happily. So I was in the car with my father at 14 years old and my dad, I always say, Dads have conversations. They're serious conversations when they are in the car because they don't have to look at you and they control how long it is. Because if, it, if they want to keep talking, they'll make the drive longer. If they want it to end it, they will make the drive short. Love so it. my dad went into ultimate dad mode and was like, hey, Laura, do you know how babies are made? And I was 14 and he mm-hmm. was there when we had the conversation. So I'm like, dad, did you just dad out? And did you like dad participate? Like what, yeah. what, what happened there, bud? <laughs> and so I looked at him in my snarky and I think the stand-up comic was like bubbling in the background. Cause I just looked at him and I was like, yeah, dad, I've seen Skinamax. <laughs> and he just was like, not for you, sweetheart. And he told me that I was a sperm donor baby. And I was like, ah! it was, it for me just was like, I could see the matrix. It was just like, it was mm. my brain was moving at lightning speed. It was like, I finally had all these puzzle pieces that I needed. It was like, finally, I could see the picture on the box of the puzzle and go, oh, that's what was going on this whole time. That's why I don't look like you. That's why I don't look like anyone on that side of the family. That's this, I could smell it. I was, I swear to fucking God, I knew. And it mm-hmm. just was, it answered so many questions for me. It really did. And I was, and so I sat in that feeling and it, it was just like, it ended up just being like a cool fact about me for many years. I would literally go to parties and hit on guys and be like, Hey, speaking of masturbation. <laughs> so you weren't <laughs> mad or did you have, I guess at 14, we're like all having an identity crisis anyway, but you didn't feel not, not at 14 at 14. It was just like, okay, we're going to file this for later. I just think that it was like, 
there was a lot of other stuff. Like my parents were starting to get ready. Like they were go about to get ready to be separated to get divorced. So like my high school years were like way more occupied by other things. But mm. once I got to college and I remember talking about, I'm a sperm donor baby at 19, I remember like my roommate was like, aren't you worried about like your medical history? I'm like, what do you mean? She was like, if your donor or donor's family has like a history of cancer, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, like you, you don't have any of that. And I just was like, oh, mm. I never thought of that shit. That's important. And I started thinking about my donor and I was like, I was like, I want to just know who the guy is. Like I, I view my dad as my dad. I just was like, where do I come from? And yeah, mm. medical history, that, that sounds important. So in 19, I call the doctor, the infertility doctor that my parents went through. And I was like, I didn't, I was 19. I didn't think this through. And I called and I was like, hi, I'm here to speak to my doctor. May I please speak to him? And they were like, yes, what is your name? And I'm like, I didn't think this through. And I basically just, I was like, tell him I'm Stacy's daughter. Just tell him I'm Stacy's daughter. He'll know who I am. Tell it's Laura, but I'm Stacy's daughter and I need to talk to him. And Stacy's not my mom's name, but you know, but, and so I think he picked up the phone I don't know how long it was under five minutes. It could have been 30 seconds. It was not long. And he was mm -hmm. immediately on the phone and I will never forget the tone of his voice. I was sitting in my dorm room and he just went, hi. Hmm. And I was like, hi, my, my name is Laura. I'm, I'm Stacy's daughter. Do you know who I am? And I just remember the weight in his voice was like, yeah, I know who you are. And it was like, okay. <laughs> Am I in? And it was like, and it was just like the air was out of the room. And I just was like, okay, all right. And I was like, hello, I know that I'm sperm donor conceived. I know that you are, you were in charge of my conception. And I was just wondering and calling if I could find out who my donor is or my medical history or just anything like that. Cause I, I'd like to know if like cancer, Parkinson's, like anything like runs in, I would just like to know. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you were conceived via an anonymous donor. So oh, even if shit. I did know who he is, I can't tell you. But you were from a clinic or a bank that was just medical students and doctors. And that bank burnt to the ground. So even if I had oh my medical God. records, so even if I could, so he was like, even if I could give you the medical records, I can't because everything is burnt up. But I can tell you that your donor had absolutely no health problems, nothing to worry about, and I just, I remember how going, no, what a liar. Yeah. Oh, because I, they're medical I, students, right? And doctors, they can't have any medical problems. Oh, no, that's impossible. Once you get that diploma, yeah. it just doesn't matter. Yeah, no, yeah. once you enter into med school, all genetic problems go away. And I remember at 19 years old, I was like, okay, well, you're lying, but I'm going to file this away for later. Thank you so much for giving me no information. Mm -hmm. Lovely. And so years go by and I finally take Ancestry. Now, one thing I have to, oh, we, I'm so sorry. I missed the most important part. We have to talk about actually my insemination because that to me okay. is the funniest yes. part of this whole thing. Please do. So <laughs> I was inseminated in 1987 <laughs> and my parents went through three years of hormone therapy and my mom went through two surgeries. Both my parents struggled with fertility, but my mom's issues could be fixed. My dad's could not. So they did donor conception. They did many rounds of donor conception. Nothing worked. So they did a full reconstruction surgery on my mom. And then wow. she was ovulating. And at the time, my parents were not only this doctors, this the clinic's very first patients. So a lot was riding wow. on this. 
And at that time, you were not allowed to pick your donor. They just assigned a donor to you that, and what they said is we find donors that match the dads as best you could, between hair color, eye color, ethnicity. But the number one thing that we match before anything else was religion. Okay. Is the is the goal here to like always lie to the child and like never just keep it a secret, like trying to match dad so much or that was that was always like that's what the doctors consistently always told the patients never okay. tell your child never tell. Now, my doctor never Damn. told my parents to do that, but most okay. parents never did. And most doctors always said never tell your child. We wow. even have a donor conceived child from that same time who in their contract with their the clinic with the mom states it in the end that you will never tell your child that they are donor conceived you will never tell their physician that they are donor conceived what i know this is like making my i'm just giving me heart palpitations sorry to interrupt your conception story that's no but this is like a totally i never knew that was even what the fuck i know (laughs) it's all what the fuck this is what the fuck territory right now yeah So, so my mom is now reconstructed and she's about to start ovulating on a holiday weekend. So the clinic is closed. And she was just like, I've been through three years of hormone therapy. And anyone who's ever been into hormone therapy, like knows like it's fucking hard. And this was in the eighties. This is, I don't even know. So all of her drugs are sprinkled with cocaine. This is fucking sure. at this point. <laughs> yeah. And so she is doc, please. Can we do something? Can we do anything? And he was like, Okay, I'm going to call in a favor. This is what we're going to do. I am going to get the donor to drop off the sperm because it had to be fresh sperm at the time. It wasn't frozen. Fresh sperm at a local hotel concierge. You go pick it up and then go inseminate it with your husband. Okay. That's what the 80s, y'all. The 80s are so brutal. Oh my God. I'm just like... So I'm always like, great. I love being a back alley sperm donor, baby. I am definitely not a bootleg kidney. All right. Thank you, mother. Thank (laughs) you, father. And so my mom, and my mom is like such a little sweet pea. She tries so hard to make this nice. And she's Laura. I picked up the sperm. I kept it close to me to keep it at a certain temperature. And I whisked off to your father's office. And that's where you were made. (laughs) Specifically said made, not conceived, made like a Toyota. I'm just like, mom. So then I I always get stuck on the fact that I'm like, wait a minute. The clinic was closed, but my father didn't take a day off. (laughs) My dad. No, we had to do this in dad's office. I was conceived in my father's office. Yeah, it was just, I'm like struggling with how much more detail to ask for but it is just I guess since it was a holiday no one else would have been there what were they and my my dad was in advertising so I'm like how mad men of you how mad men of you yes oh my (laughs) god like all right and I joke with my parents and I'm like guys I'm sorry but if that's the way you conceived me there was no way I was ever going to end up as like a doctor or a lawyer or a normal person (laughs) of society this is of course what you got that's that that is your punishment that is your karma right there all right so anyway that is my inception which is a fun little which is a fun little tidbit and not to get get a little dark what something that we've realized is that was fresh sperm that was donated on the day the clinic was closed the one regulation that we've had for many years is every single donor has to be tested for stds all samples yeah so They probably not, didn't test that. Now, did they? Probably not. Well, no, not if it was just getting 
extracted and dropped off at the hotel immediately especially and, in the late 80s like AIDS was running around like that well you guys got lucky. exactly what was going around yeah. in New York City in the 1980s yeah I'm like that fucking doctor fucked with my mom's and my life like we were yes. really playing roulette yeah um it's... we are very lucky that we are did not did not get HIV so now we skip and so anyway remember so that's one piece so now we skip to the future I'm about to take an ancestry test with my mother she's gonna do it too we're gonna figure out my ethnicity and we're gonna compare it to hers and so we take it and hers is exactly what we think it's like Polish with some little bit of European and then mine comes back and it is half Ashkenazi Jewish okay and remember how we and my father remember they match it up via ethnicity and religion my dad is Irish Scottish and Catholic okay yeah my mom doesn't have a lick of Ashkenazi in her so we're like okay one lie figured out the donor is Ashkenazi Jewish and this becomes exceptionally funny because the reason that clinic was closed was because it was the Jewish New Year oh so my 100% Ashkenazi Jewish donor donated on the Jewish New Year I was like who did the doctor call and be like hey bud we need like we need a we need can you drop this off really quick yeah what is going on? What was this place? So what did you, per, did you pursue? Dark. Like trying, once you are in ancestry, it starts to open up, like people find you, whether you actually are ready yeah. to find them or want to find them or not. Did you pursue looking further? Into I looked, but nothing was popping up until one day a cousin nope. showed up. Okay. And I was like, hello, what's up? And and she's just and she's just like, how are we connected? And I'm like, I have a funny story. And she was just like, oh, it looks like my cousin was a donor. And so her, my mom, oh. and I all sat and had dinner together. And there were three choices. It was either my donor, my biological father, his brother, or his dad. And but we looked at the time and everything, where it was, and we we're like, no, it definitely was this guy. And so we I was able, I had a name. I was able to see his photo for the first time. Oh, shit. And I was like, and there's definitely some similarities, but really I look like his daughter that I like saw on Facebook and was like, whoa, mm-hmm. I have a sister. I have mm-hmm. a, and he, and they have a son. So I have a brother. Oh my God. I have siblings. I didn't think this was possible. Holy shit. And so yeah. that was like, all right, sitting with that for a little bit. I wrote him a letter. And because I have an anxiety disorder, I didn't put it in the mail. I literally went to his office and dropped it off with his secretary. I watched her put it in his box. Make so sure I was like, I'm not leaving this up to the yeah. post, but we're doing this. So mm-hmm. we, so we, so that happens and that's, and then, oh God, it had to have been, wasn't even a year. It couldn't have been a year. It was like six months. Had to have been like six, no, it was a year. It was a year. I apologize. It was a year. Year later. I get a message saying, hi, I know this is weird, but I'm pretty sure that I'm your sister. And I'm like, oh my God. And I, and it was me and I, and she was like, I was conceived via sperm donation. I just found this out by accident. Oh, damn. Um, I'm pretty sure you're my sister. And I was like, I have a sis, I have a donor conceived sister. And she was like, actually you have three. There's my full sister. We were used same sperm donor. And I've already found another sister. And I was like, what? Whoa. Oh my gosh. What? 
and then so, also his kids that he was raising with his wife or who was partner or okay so at this point you have five that, siblings that you knew about now and we found another one so okay. it is me the two full siblings another sister another brother and his two kids so seven wow. of us total wow. wow so we're so now my brain is broken i, I know work I'm like, this is, I'm, and that's, that started the obsession. That was like, I need to learn. I need to understand. I need to make content. I need to get this. What the is this shit? Yeah. And and I start researching and I start diving and I start making content and I start looking and it starts like on Facebook and YouTube. And then, and then I was very late to, to TikTok. I joined in January, 2021. And I started putting the donor conception stuff and people started eating that up like crazy. And it started as really just a, I want to find my siblings. I really want to find my siblings. But the more Mm -hmm. people talked to me and the more I learned, the more I was like, this is so fucked up how this entire industry works. And that's really where it morphed more. I'm always looking for my siblings, but it really became, no, I got to fucking advocate. Like I got to take a stand because this is terrifying. The, mm. the consequences of what the infertility industry does not just affect people involved in the donor conception. This affects society. This is, yeah, that's, so, that's, that's how, that's the start. That's so wild. Yeah. What's it, how, what's it like with your siblings? Do you all feel connected? Is it awkward? No. Is Yeah. I would love to have a relationship or at least try, have a, at least like a cordial relationship one of them, we're good. We're amazing. Her and I talk all the time. She's delightful and lovely. And it was an instant connection. It was just like, holy shit. Yeah, this is my sister. This is my big sister. And the other ones are like, nope, not ready. Not, yeah. not, not, not fucking touching the shit. Sorry. Are you guys two all kids, I'm pretty sure don't know. Oh, are you guys all around the same age? I'm the youngest so far. The eldest was oh. born in 1983. I am the youngest so far being born in 1988. Okay. So our donor was donating for six years, at least. Mm-hmm. We don't know if it was longer. So it has been guessed because he was a med student at the time and then a doctor that there easily could be 50 of us. Yeah. Yeah. And did they find you through the ancestry type 23 and me type thing? Yeah, they did. Yep. Wow. What a trip. How how dark does the infertility industry get? There was the that Uh, movie that that our father movie that came out that was like about the doctor that was using himself to inseminate Mm -hmm. people without them knowing or their consent. Like that's really dark. Is that sensationalized? Is that pretty regular? Like how dark is this? Hold my beer. So (laughs) what Dr. Klein did. 50 other doctors we have found so far in the United States who have done the same thing. And the thing about that is what he did is not considered illegal in the United States federally. It is only considered illegal in 11 states. And those states are recent because of the advocates like Jacoba from Our Father, Eve Wiley, who wrote the fertility fraud legislation. So the fact that it is only illegal, it's not illegal in 39 states is terrifying, which means that people can be legally sexually assaulted. And the stories that we still are having coming out about that are terrifying because only 15% at this point, 15% have taken a commercial, 15% of the United States population has taken a commercial DNA test. There is way more out there. We've already found 50 doctors who have done that. And then there's the eugenics aspect of it, which is Mm -hmm. terrifying. 
If you line up all donor-conceived people, we all look alike, and you're going to notice a massive lack of diversity. Now, is there some diversity? Yeah, but not as much as there should be, because banks for decades have been turning around, turning away donors of color, mm -hmm. leaving so many recipient parents who are part of the BIPOC community with no other choice but to use a white donor. Wow. Wow. It's disgusting. Yeah. Because there's no, so we desperately need anti-discrimination laws to protect donors because right now it is literally just a bunch of people in a back room deciding who and who isn't allowed to procreate with their own biases, bias, racism, everything. It's absolutely nuts. So we want to talk about getting dark. It gets dark. Yeah. We have so many sibling pods. We've, I have interviewed seven, seven sibling Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Sorry, hold on one second. Seven sibling pods that are a little over 100 kids each. One that is much over 100 kids each. I Two that are in 70s. So these massive sibling pods are huge. And again, we are tip of the iceberg. Tip of the fucking iceberg. And this is going to screw us over. One, the accidental incest is the chance of right. very yeah. I was just thinking like yeah. that's a, so a sibling pod, that's like, a group of mm -hmm. people all from the same donor. Yep. They're likely strangers for most of their lives until they find each other yep. through DNA testing or other yep. like advocates connecting each other somehow. 100%. Okay. Wow. A hundred people. It's yep. just really breaking my heart. So I'm thinking about my siblings. I have two siblings. Raina has five and we're all, we are, we're so close with our siblings. It's like yeah. the mo some of the most significant relationships in our lives. Yeah. And to think that there's people out there with hundred, 
hundreds of siblings that they don't even know exist is really devastating. And the problem is, you know, when we're like, oh yeah, this person has a hundred siblings. They're like, oh my God, that's so cool. I'm like, no, it's not. You're not going to develop meaningful relationships with a hundred people. And you have to understand this isn't a hundred people who grew up with you. This isn't 50. It's not 10. It's not five people who grew up together. Yeah. These are every people coming from all walks of life who have now been thrown together in a giant pot who are like, hey, you're siblings. And it's, and the yeah. trauma is, I don't know what the fuck to do with this. I have a hundred siblings. How do I process that? And it also, this affects society. This drastically reduces the genetic diversity in our gene pool. This affects all of us. Yeah. yeah. Wow. This is, this is a societal issue and we desperately, and it's again, there is no cap on how many siblings can come from one donor in the United States. Colorado last year passed some legislation that said it will have a 25 family limit. So even if those 25 families each have two kids, it's still 50 kids, but it's at least a cap, but that law won't go into effect for a few more years. Do other countries do this better or differently or yes. is it? Yeah. yeah. What's What would be the example of this is how it is there a way to do donor conception ethically? What would that look like? In my opinion, yes. I, and I want to say I do not speak for the whole donor sure. conceived community. I'm yeah. not a monolith because there are donor conceived people who are like, absolutely not burn the whole industry. It's done. I don't feel that way. I feel like we can. I do think the purpose is you have to make it donor conceived centered because you have to remember the donor conceived child is the most affected by this and they have no consent. And it's not just them who will be affected, it's their children who will be affected. So you have to make it around their rights and what they need. So first thing, and I know this is the most controversial thing, is you got to ban anonymity. Anonymity is out the window. Anonymity is inherently unethical. And you have countries like the UK, Norway, Sweden, New Zealand, Germany, Australia, the Netherlands, all have banned anonymity. All have banned it. Because it has been deemed unethical. It has been deemed unethical by the by the UN. They've said all children have the right to know who their biological parents are. The yes. fact that we have an industry in place, because if we think about it, we have an industry in place that separates a biological parent from their biological child before they were even conceived, makes it impossible for them to ever have contact. And in fact, if either one of them wants to have contact, society will come condemn them that's psychotic yeah it is what Who the you fuck makes these rules other facet in society we would be like what the fuck what yeah no but just with donor conception because it involves the paycheck so one yeah. ban anonymity because one that's also how the infertility industry is able to get away with so much unethical practices because you have this veil of secrecy the anonymous mm. donor where you can never find out which allows them to lie which allows them to make it, it just it allows them to get away with a lot more shit and also if a child is able to have contact a recipient parent is able to have contact you can get an updated medical history that can be literally life-saving for a child there is a donor conceived person who i know who found her donor later in life and she was like hey medical history on my donor profile literally it's a sentence is there anything you'd like to add to it and he was like i guess yeah this suicide runs in my family alcoholism heart failure and she's like oh, she was like yeah thing. and he was like yeah my dad, my granddad, all died of heart failure when they're 50. So, you oh know, my gosh. and she got down like specifically, wait, it's through the family. And she took it to the cardiologist and she was like, 
what would you like to do? The cardiologist was like, okay, we are going to schedule an EKG and echo immediately, not just for you, but also your children. It's that mm -hmm. serious that they wow, need to get yeah. one now. Wow. So scary. It's so it's scary because, because yeah, you're obviously you're speaking as somebody with the lived experience of being donor conceived. People don't fucking think about the impact when they're they want to have a baby, they, yeah. uh, but then you're the baby. You know what I mean? You're going to grow up and you have a human being and you're going to talk. And, but it's just, we're going to be talking but, and having rights yeah. and a personality. And yeah. it's, it, people really don't take it past having a baby. And they're like, this is my yeah. miracle baby. I paid so much to have this baby. I did so much emotional labor to have this baby. And I get that. And I understand. Yeah. And for me, yeah. again, I feel so much for couples who go through infertility. I want you to have the help that you deserve. I want that for you. I want mm -hmm. LGBTQIA couples to be able to use donor conception. I want single by choice parents to be able to use donor conception. But my thing is like, guys, it's not safe right now. We got to work together to make it safe because right now it's not safe for you nor your child. So yeah. let's get it. And again, I want this to exist, but this is just not okay. So yeah, there's a better, better way. There's, there's a better way. There's a, safer, there's a safer way. And yeah, people, I think, yeah, it's just insane. Like all of this is just mind blowing to me because it's so different from the story that we received earlier of the parents. They, and how they picked their donor. And it was a beautiful, it's a beautiful story. And I'm sure there's plenty of those beautiful stories too. But this is now in 2023, but I'm sure there's still shit, obviously, that needs to get worked through. And always the thing that I tell parents with that is like, what you're reading and what you pick as your donor, it might all be fabricated. Clinics don't run background checks on, on the donors. They're not, usually they like check like a, like a social security number, but like not, they don't legally have to run background checks. They don't have to verify medical history. So the donor fills out mm -hmm. their medical profile and they never call those doctors to be like, yo, is this true? So they can literally be like, my mom died of breast cancer, but, and my dad has, it, my dad is bipolar, but I really want that $1,500 check. So I'm going to just remove both of those things. Because I've been yeah. told if I put that on my profile, I'll get rejected. So I'm going to just not say that. Suck it, kid. Well, I was just thinking about the donors because, okay, when I was in college, I worked at the college paper and mm -hmm. one of our biggest advertisers was the fertility clinic advertising for egg donation and sperm yep. donation. Mm -hmm. And so My I have to family. imagine yeah. that a lot of donors are probably very, are, are in college, like young kids that need the cash and it <laughs> paid pretty well. There was a time in my life where I was donating plasma to eat and I briefly considered egg donation and then got a little grossed out by the idea of having a kid out there that I didn't know. And, but that was like what was getting advertised on my college campus. And I can't imagine you don't, our prefrontal lobe isn't even formed all the way at that age. And people are deciding to become donors, not even thinking about the impact on their own lives or the life that could get created. Yeah. So they specifically, if you look up and I challenge everybody to do this, look up every cryobank in the country and you will notice that it is 
either literally right next to a college campus or it is very close to one. They specifically target college students. They set up pop-up stands. They're allowed to go into lecture halls. They want college students. They want the students that don't know their medical history, that are not going to ask questions, that don't know how to advocate for themselves yet. They Mm -hmm. actively take advantage of college students, which is why I desperately also want to see the minimum age go to 25 or at least 21 for donors. Because taking advantage of 18 year olds is just absolutely wrong it's absolutely wrong yeah you're just like literally not capable of thinking about future consequences at that age no absolutely not and you don't understand and they specifically don't really help you it just go oh my god like all of the advertisements are like pay for spring break pay off your student loan yes that's exactly like I can see the advertisement in my mind's eye thinking because I saw it every week when we were like laying out copy for the paper. <laughs> so I was like, I wonder if I could do What that. bank was it? Oh, I went to Arizona was? state. So I don't, I, whatever, whatever's uh, there's the Phoenix cryo bank, or it would have been the world egg and sperm bank. I think it was the one in Phoenix. This was, I went to school back in 2001, 2002. It was Phoenix. I Yeah, Phoenix Cryobank, very easily. I've watched pictures. Yeah, Phoenix does pop-up stands on campuses. I've seen those photos. Yeah. So wild. Yeah, a lot of people do it for money. And I don't want to say there's anything wrong with that. I think there's a way to do it and still, yeah, not be anonymous and do the whole background checks and do everything like that if you're going to actually do something like that. And I would say actually a lot of donor conceived. So most other countries actually don't pay their donors. They specifically only want to attract altruistic donors who are doing it for the right reasons. The problem is dangling a giant wad of cash. And it's, look, I understand you, you need money and, and I appreciate that and I get it. But this isn't this is going to turn into a human being. You need to think about the fact that it's like your child, you're turning your biological children into a side hustle. You've turned them into a transaction. It's, I appreciate you need money, but if money is the sole purpose as to why you are doing this, then do not do it. This is a human sentient being. You need, first reason should be, I want to help people. That should be the first reason. And then, and I mean, obviously you know that they're going to pay donors for a long time. Most, most advocates are like, we would like donor conception to not be paid anymore, but it's, I know that's not going to happen for a very long time, but it definitely, it should not be the first reason. It shouldn't be the second reason. Yeah. I liked what you yeah. said about if this is going to exist as a industry, if this is going to exist as a way that life gets created, build it around the needs and the rights of the child, the child that's going to be born, the person that's going to be created. And so getting rid of an anonymous donation, there's no way I'm going to be able to actually say the word. What else would a a more ethical approach look if it was going to continue to exist? And again, I know that Uh, there's people that would say it shouldn't, but if it was, if it is going to, what else? Sibling cap. So we got to have a sibling cap and the siblings need to be able to know who each other are. The ability to have contact and relationship with their siblings should be something afforded to them at birth. But we need a sibling cat because right now they are just, (laughs) they are not, the clinics and cryobanks are not to be trusted with that. It's absolutely horrendous what they do. 
And how, how much money is at stake? How like the how big is this industry that kind of it's it seems like the industry just preys on it preys on it's a multi-billion dollar billions. industry. Yeah. It's billions. Because not just nationally, the United States, we are the biggest exporter in sperm. This is international. We sell our donors sperm and eggs and ship them off to many other countries. Jeez, that's mind-boggling to just think about having family out there, like just pieces of you out there and not ever being able to find that or bring that home to yourself. Yeah. It's, it is a mess and it's horrible. And it's, it really is this whole thing that it's like, if you ever in any other situation, if you're like, I have biological family out there, everyone would be like, oh my God, let's find them. That's why we love movies like Mamma Mia and What a Girl Wants and August Rush and like all these about finding your biological family, except with donor conception. That's the one where it's like, "Mm -mm, not allowed to, because that paycheck makes all the difference. It's That's why we money. wanted to have you on because the whole our whole focus is like anything that people say we shouldn't talk about or no, that's like exactly what needs to get talked about. You and other advocates, you're pushing back against, as you said, a multi-billion dollar international industry. And I can't imagine that industry insiders love it when you tell your stories. Like what kind of resistance have you encountered? I don't oh, see it no- getting physically dangerous potentially. <laughs> They are delightful. They're always their response is like, well, that's what happened back then, but that's not how we do things now. And we're like, bullshit, but cute. I love it. I love that energy. And the fact that you're not taking any accountability for what you did do doesn't make me feel positive that it's better now. They actively do not want to hear from us. They want to hear from recipient parents. They are actively like, how do we make this more enticing for donors to donate? It's constantly, they're covering. It's constantly a cover. It's constantly, anytime a story comes up, our father comes, like anything, they're just like, and what can we do to shift the narrative? And it's, yeah, they call us ungrateful. They call us, oh, you guys are just angry donor-conceived people. That's not our fault. That was your parents' fault. Your parents obviously had problems that has nothing to do with the donor conception that has to do with how you were raised. And we're just like, no. No, the fact that these two people, these two siblings slept together is seems like an industry issue to me. Sorry. The fact that I've got a girl over there who has a cyst growing on her spine and isn't going to be able to walk in her older years and her sister has cysts going on her thyroid and they all had a false medical history seems like an industry issue. Yeah. And they do not want to hear it. And they are just like, no. You just sound so emotional. Oh my gosh. Which I'm like, yeah, I am fucking emotional. It's called empathy, you assholes. It's worth being emotional over. Yeah. It's like, I'm a human being. Hello. (laughs) I'm sorry, but like, how about you go get on the phone with the girl who had 13 surgeries by the time she was 20? My gosh. And you tell me to not be fucking emotional. Is there any legislation pending right now that people listening should know about or can help advocate for? Or is it like not, is it just, is this just something that's like impossible? Oh, to get I got a big one. I got a big okay. one. Everyone, okay. you're going to call your local legislature and you're going to say, I want HR 451 to be passed. That is the fertility fraud legislation. That would make it illegal federally 
for a doctor to switch out the chosen donor sperm eggs with their own or any other that they feel like. Okay. This is, we, this is like number one, like this is ground level protection. Okay. Yeah. This is ground level protection. If you watch our father, this is what we are trying to fix. This is what we are trying to make illegal so that no doctor can hurt a recipient parent or donor conceived person like this ever again. So Say it HR again. 451. Perfect. We'll, Call make, your local, we'll link to it. Call your local legislature and tell them that you want them to support it. You want them to have it passed. I guess to round things out, we've talked about your story. We've talked about what needs to change in the industry. Just to bring it down to the people impacted and harmed in the system. Do you have mm -hmm. advice for donor-conceived adults who mm -hmm. are or teenagers, I don't know, maybe there's a teen or two that might find this, who are just finding out that they're donor conceived, that want to try and get in touch with their family. I don't know. Do you at least try to get their genetic information and their medical history? Do you have just pieces of advice that you tend to give to folks that reach out? Let's first start with the more emotional and let, and to all those donor conceived people, I want you to know that your emotions are valid. Start there what you are feeling, those feelings that you have pushed way in the back of your head, they're valid. And you have the right to feel them. And feeling those feelings is absolutely something you got to do. And that doesn't mean you don't love your mom. It doesn't mean you don't love your dad. Doesn't mean that. You need to feel them. Mm -hmm. And you need to come and connect with other donor conceived people where you will be validated, you are going to be heard, and you are not going to feel isolated anymore because being donor conceived is a just a very isolating thing. Come join your community so that we can hear you and we can support you because you deserve that. You deserve that, Pumpkin. And you will be amazed that you will start sharing your feelings and there's going to be a hundred people around you who go, yep, went through the same thing. Yep. Felt the same thing. Absolutely. Totally get that. And you're going to start feeling those little pieces that you buried deep and down that you just never thought that you would allow yourself to even think about or here. You're going to start, they're going to come forward and they're going to actually start to heal. And you're going to really start to figure out who you are. And it's so amazing and it's powerful. And there's, and if you need more support, there's a wonderful support group called DC Support. They have support groups for donor conceived people. There is We Are Donor Conceived. There is the Donor Conceived Council. There are so many organizations that can help you find support, answer questions, and find your community. For more practical things, you want to find siblings, 23andMe, Ancestry, and the Donor Sibling Registry. It's going to be a lot of money. It's a lot of investment. So do one at a time. I understand that's a lot. For the donor sibling registry, you don't have to do a DNA test. All you need is your cryobank and your donor number. 23andMe and Ancestry are both obviously also going to cost money. They have sales constantly. So just keep your eye out open for that. 23andMe is not a medical grade test. You cannot rely on that to get your medical history. If you need 
medical history and something's going up, you gotta go see a genetic counselor or a geneticist. But number one, what has to start happening is you gotta be your best advocate. You walk in that doctor's office and you're like, I'm sperm donor, baby. I'm an egg donor, baby. And you gotta let them know, I don't know half my medical history. I do not know. Even if you think you do, even if you got that donor profile, you can take that donor profile and toss it out the window. It's paper mache. It's not updated and you have no way of knowing if it's honest. You don't know half your medical history. That mm-hmm. is the honest truth. So you, and you need to start telling that to doctors. They need to know you don't know half and start, start peeling back that paint as you are emotionally ready, because mm-hmm. understand it can be a lot all at once and you don't want to overwhelm yourself. You don't want to over-traumatize yourself and understand that we got your back. We are a fierce feral group and we protect our own. <laughs> we really do. And just know it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It all will be okay. We will help you find your center. We can help you find language to talk to your parents about how you feel. Anything like that. We like, we got your back. Yeah. I was going to ask too, advice for parents of donor conceived kids. I feel like Mm -hmm. number one is don't lie. Don't but lie. What That's else? A big one. <laughs> like, what else? Like, how can they? The baby's here. Oh, the child's oh, here. The yeah. kid's here. What do you do? Yeah. So, recipient parents, I understand that this can be confusing. I understand that you have your own emotions about this, and you have your own feelings, and you are probably feeling insecure. And I totally appreciate that, and I understand. What I want to do is give you some relief, and say I understand why you have some insecurities. Don't. It's really going to be okay. It really is. And once you start moving in the correct directions that are much more centered around your donor conceived child, you're going to be amazed and go, oh, I was worried over nothing. The places that I would start are, there's a wonderful therapist named Jana Rupnow. She has an Instagram. She has a book called Three Makes a Baby. Go to her Instagram, talk to her. She will help you. There's so much relief that she's going to be able to provide and give you. She has wonderful language in order to how to talk to your child and everything. Also, as I said, DCC support, DCC support also has a support group for recipient parents because you deserve support as well. You absolutely Mm do. Because here's the thing about recipient parents, specifically, I'm talking to the couples who have struggled with infertility. Your child did not, you had infertility trauma. Let's not beat around the bush. That was a major trauma. That is hard to go through. Infertility is hard. And that is a horrific pain to go through. That is a traumatizing pain to go through. Getting your child did not cure you from that trauma. Mm. It Mm -hmm. didn't. You still have that. And the tricky part is now, if we don't start working on that trauma, you're going to start putting that trauma on your child, which I know because you've worked so hard to get that kid. That's not what you want to do. I know that's not what you want to do because you're going to start saying things to your kid of, oh my God, you are our miracle baby. Oh my God. I'm so grateful for you. Do you know how much money we spent to have? Do you know how much time that puts a lot of pressure on that child? I know that to you, that's coming from a place of love. You want them to understand how much energy and emotion you put into this. And you're like, oh my God, I just want you to know how much I love you. It's not going to, how it's going to come across to them. Mm -hmm. I understand that's your intention. It is not your impact. Okay. So please go get treated for infertility trauma. Talk to a therapist. You deserve it. That was trauma, honey. That was trauma, baby. Go talk to a therapist. You deserve that. Okay. 
The support group for DCC support will help you out. They will be there for you. They will listen to you. They totally get it. They will help you find language and how to talk to your child. And remember, that is your baby. That is your baby. You got to help them through this. They did not consent to this incredibly insane procedure that brought you all together. There should not be shame in talking about this procedure. There, this mm -hmm. should be an open conversation for the, look how much money, look how much resources, look how much time, how much emotional labor you put into that. Don't hide it. Don't stigmatize it. Yeah. This is how you brought your yeah. wonderful child into this world. You share that information. You mm -hmm. talk about that. You let them explore. They want to explore their other ethnicity, their other family. You are right there with them. And don't just wait for them to talk to you about it. You bring it up with them. You let them know, honey, baby, it is safe for you to talk to me about this. Do you want to go explore that ethnicity of yours? Hell yeah, let's go do it. Fuck yes, absolutely. Let's go try that food. Let's go to that temple, to that church. Let's go do it together. You want to meet your siblings? Hell yeah, I'm going to go make that play date for you. Let's go do it together. Um, absolutely. It's, and it is, I don't want to scare recipient parents, but I am telling you, if you do not tell your child and you let them find out on their own, because they will find out, I promise you, it has ended relationships between recipient parents and their children. There have been children that have gone no contact with their recipient parents. I am telling you now, tell your child even if it's oh shit my child's 30 holy fuck how do i do it it's still you got to tell them and we will help you find that language and we will figure that out but you got to tell your child because they will find out they will know so we got to we got to do the power move and we got to tell them okay you guys got this i got faith in you i love right. how much empathy yes. you have me too and i also think on the macro level, this industry, which we've now learned is stomach turningly corrupt, thrives yeah. on the shame and the stigma associated with being yeah. a quote unquote test tube baby or like yeah. having it be like the punchline to a joke in a sitcom from the 90s. They thrive on the shame and the stigma because if it's not shamed and it's not stigmatized and we talk freely and openly, then we find community and then we have power, right? And so I just... And There's then we an start asking for regulations. Yes. So I love your empathy. Yep. And then that empathy and that community also can lead to like real power and change. I hope. It's, yeah. we need, we, it really is. I don't agree with a lot of the advocates who are just like, well, fuck your infertility. You should have just, you didn't. I don't agree with that. I don't think that's the right thing. Infertility is a real trauma. Let's treat it as a trauma. Let's understand that it's big. It's really hard. Like you, you talk to someone who goes through infertility, like it's very traumatizing. And I don't feel like being dismissive of those feelings is a good tactic, nor is it kind. And we want to be kind people. And the donor conceived community, it's again, we gotta, yeah, we love our community and I, it is traumatizing. And also the stronger and bigger our community gets, the more power we have, because the more stories we have, the more evidence we have to present for regulations. The only way we will ever change this industry is by the stories and by the evidence. So that means recipient parents, donors, donor-conceived kids, whistleblowers from clinics and cryobanks, you got to find your courage and strength to come forward. I know it's really scary. I know you're scared, but they will keep doing this. They will keep assaulting people. They will keep sexually assaulting women. 
They will keep doing it. They will keep mm -hmm. making pods of 100 kids each. They will keep taking advantage of these young donors. They will keep doing it unless we take a stand. So you got to find that courage. And I know it's scary and I know it is, but yo, I will be on that hill with you shouting with you. I will stand right next to you if you need me to. I will do whatever it takes to make sure that you are safe. But we got to, we got to, we, we got to be brave guys. We got to do it. You are so brave and so energetic and passionate and passionate about all of this. Like your energy is just, you're like, just like a, the perfect like spokesperson for this. And had they known like when you were conceived, this, this is your purpose. This is your journey. This is what you're doing with it. That's a beautiful thing. It's like you turned this into like your purpose and I can tell you're very, it's very important to you. You're very driven. You know so much about it. You've, you've studied so much, like you're a great resource and you like you are living in it and dealing with your own shit and then, but you're helping others through it too. It's a, it's just a beautiful gift. Thank that. you. I, that's certainly what I strive to do every single day. And certainly not every day I'm perfect. I definitely get grumpy a lot of the days and I get upset and I get frustrated but I have met some of the most wonderful people through this community and who are genuinely just trying to help and trying to make this better. And I really believe in it. I believe in the cause because it's important. And yeah, I don't, and I know that like I'm 100% screwed over. I am not getting a medical history. That is not happening. I don't want what I have gone through with missing siblings missing a medical history. I don't want another donor conceived person to go through that. So I, I want to do what I can to give them the strength and to fight for those regulations. So no other person has to go through that. Thank you. It's been a huge pleasure to have you with us tonight. Thank can you. you. It's my pleasure to be people, here. Can you <laughs> remind people where they can find you and the name of your podcast in case people want to do an even yes. deeper dive into all of this? Absolutely. At Laura High Five is my handle everywhere, including TikTok is my biggest source, but hey, we don't fucking know what that goddamn TikTok ban. So hopefully TikTok will stay. But at Laura High Five, same thing, same handle for Instagram, same handle for Twitter. I'm also on Facebook and I'm on YouTube. And I'm going to be starting to make a lot more videos for YouTube. Laura High. And then my podcast, which will be airing next week, is Insemination. Perfect. All right. We'll find it so. wherever you find your podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> we'll link to it too in our yeah. notes. And I just want to say thank you again. I've learned so much. My mind is just buzzing with this information and partially because it's like, it's personal. Cause I want to always make sure that my baby niece grows up like with as much information and love and knowledge as we can arm her with. And then just partially, cause I'm thinking about how it would feel to have half my family miss, just missing. So I just, I thank you so much for everything you're doing and echo what Raina said about your bravery. And it's been great to have you on. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I do know that if your sister and her partner, they, if they need any support, if they have any questions, feel free to contact me. <laughs> That's really generous. Thank you. Of course. We're a fucking community. We're a community. Yes. We're stronger together. <laughs> Absolutely. Love it. I love my mommies. I love my mamas. I want to support them. <laughs> Thank you. And Raina, where can people find us if they want to find us on social or email? The socials, Instagram at sh underscore 
don't talk about it pod. <laughs> One and day we'll remember. <laughs> Why did I make it so hard? I don't fucking know. Anyway, and then you can email us at info at don't talk.com. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we will see you all next week. Thanks again, Laura. Thank yes. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you. Okay, bye.